Eriolana had ridden for many days across the plain plains of Corain, and at last she could feel her destination pulsing within her, the climax of her long voyage in sight. One more night sleeping buck naked under the ragged wet tarp, and she'd arrive at the court of the Empress Peronea. In a twisted way, she would miss being nude in nature nocturnally, but it was time for her to pull her corporeal pleasures to one side and focus on entering her mission. That mission, to levy a treaty on behalf of her mistress, the Empress Sedactra, who wished to unite the five kingdoms of Volviat against the army being sent by King Incel. The king, who is not a legally recognized monarch, was a most depraved and self-imposed, carnally deprived warlord, hell-bent on destroying all who disagreed with him and all that didn't rate him as a good lay. King Incel's greatest weapon was his giant lizard-like beasts by the fearful name of Redditz. These long-limbed, looming, leviathan-esque beasts lurked and littered the air with unsolicited opinions, in the hopes that they would grind a person down into submission, and, if that didn't work, they would use their flame-throwing gills in order to gaslight their victims. The only way to defeat them was to pleasure oneself to orgasm, whilst saying determinately, you could never, thus rending them impotent. Hi guys, and welcome to episode 5, 5 Alive, of Dwayne Ditterman Reads. And I'm your host, Natch, Dwayne Ditterman. <laughs> hey out there, Twitter Manningtons. Look, I'm getting all your DMs, don't worry, I'll get back to you. If you were to read with your ears, it would go very well. Words would get right into your brain, your feelings they would swell. You'd learn and feel the two best things to do. You'd learn and feel, for you must do this to be true. To you. So at this point, I'm feeling kind of cocky, yet kind of invincible. Like, like whoever thought we'd make it to five episodes, and yet here we are. What will we say at uh, 1,500 episodes? I mean, at my current rate, if I've done the calculations correctly, and I'm objectively terrible at math, that would take 24 years. I hope I still have a working tongue by then. I mean, if I keep this up, it'll, it'll be the Mr. Universe Schwarzenegger of tongues. So, so buff and, and veiny and oiled and, and rippled and, and flexing constantly and probably not even aware of how much roid rage it's expressing. Hey, wait, sidebar. How come there's not, like, more competition or, or Instagrams of, like, really impressive tongues? Super muscular or dexterous or, or maybe just stylish. In fact, guys, don't steal my idea. I'm going to start an Instagram channel for amazing tongues. I'm calling it right now. I'm, I'm trademarking it or, or whatever you do to make your, you know, your idea yours. Like, not stealable. But I also do love chew tobacco. So so maybe, you know, like, maybe I won't even get there to Schwartz a tongue. Maybe I'll get mouth cancer and I have to cut away part or all of my tongue. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to quit. Yeah.
No more spittoons, which is too bad because spittoons, well, objectively gross, have a, you know, retro-futuristic steampunk old western vibe that I just really dig. Plus, the sound of a ringing of a spittoon is, like, lodged in my pop-cultural references brain. Yeah, okay, maybe I'm old, but I mean, if I heard it right now, that sound... I would say, you know, that right there is a spittoon. <laughs> and I'd wish for the sound effect of jangling spurs as well. And a dusty, mean old man would walk in with his moustache and, and challenge me to a duel. And, I, and I'd say, hey, this town ain't big enough for the two of us. And, and, but, but you know what? They, they did just build a new development over on Pine Street. So there's probably enough room for the both of us now. I, I'm a peaceful person at heart. So honestly, that sort of dark fantasy wouldn't happen. I'd find a way to peacefully resolve. Yeah. Uh, but hey, you know what? Let's get back to that rich text. Now, that passage that I read in the beginning that flowed like ethereal wine from my lips was from this week's book, a book in the genre of high fantasy entitled The Nail Trim Trilogy by author Dorothea S Sap S Saphen. It looks like Saphen. But but it could be safen in that uh, sort of uh, you know old English kind of way where p h equals the um, f sound. So le let's you know let's let's go with safen. It it's just safer. I I'm sure she'll correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. Oh how embarrassing though. By author Dorothea Safen. Now the name of the book it caught me. The Nail Trim Trilogy. It's bold, right? Like, you would normally think of a trilogy as, like, three books, right? But in this case, the effervescent Dorothea has said, You know what? Fuck it. My single book is a trilogy. I assume that's what she sounds like. And why not? What she's done is combine the elements of a rich, twisting, gripping, meaty trilogy and crammed it into one epic poetic text. It is a trilogy, but it's not. But it is! And, and I was, to be honest, enraptured by it. Like, from a purely technically audacious point of view. And, and then, while I was sitting there basking in the afterglow of discovery of such an important new work by a technical stylistic ferocity, it hit me. There was another level. It unlocked so much more depth. In fact, it unlocked, dare I say, the whole meaning. Maybe you heard it in the text I read. L let's see if you get it when I say this. The Trilogy? The Trinity. Yeah, that's it. You got it. It's a biblical analogy. I mean, this book is full of Christ and biblical and other religions imagery, and, and I came away after that realization feeling like this was a deeply, deeply moral work. A work that sought to argue for a form of just justice in this world, and it did so allegorically. Instead of using a trilogy of, you know, like Jesus and the Holy Spirit and, and, and God, I guess, she's using the imagery of steel and like plates for the breast and, and the cloven hooves of various animals. And it took my breath away. So let's get her in here and talk to this crazy old genius. Hi, Dorothea, are you there? Hello, yes I am. Uh, really pleased to be on. Thank you so much. Oh, I really didn't nail your voice at all. 
no, but it sounded very much like my great aunt Gertrude. It really brought her back. I thought, oh, are you there, auntie? Oh, is that a fond memory? Absolutely. She was fantastic. The way that she would make gruel was unlike anybody else. It was wet and it was savoury. Oh, and, and it must be really filling. You know, you get that in your belly and it just sits there and feeds you all day long. Well, absolutely. It was definitely much more Moorish than that uh, cabbage soup, which was just water with a flavour. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm not a huge fan of cabbage soup. How's the how's the world treating you these days? Well, I mean, since I've written my book, it's really just opened up like a clam. You know, the layers are coming back and back like an onion and, and I'm I'm doing tours, I'm doing talks and I'm going on talk shows. Oh, amazing. So this is this is actually yielded a good deal of success for you. Well, absolutely. I think a lot of other people were frustrated in the way that I was, that it was a phallocentric world in which people would go on fantasy adventures and they thought, when is there going to be the deep, mossy depth of the forest of Mother Earth, of Gaia? When is that going to be represented by an actual woman? Representation is important. Very much so. So, in that sense, do you mind if I start asking you some questions about the book? Uh, Fire away. I I would love to answer them. Great. Okay. So, this religious imagery, I was not expecting that at all. Was this inspired by your Catholic schoolgirl type upbringing? Did it imprint on your adult self a sort of audacious set of images and rituals that really light your fire and create order and destruction in your life? Well, you've got it in one there, dear. See, I did go to a convent school and, and some of the nuns were downright horrible, but others were very much bastions of truth and of strength and, and, and very beautiful in their own cloak and wrapped way and and many of my other classmates as well were extremely enlightening on a physical spiritual and mental level to me uh-huh. and as a result i thought jesus the holy trinity the holy spirit and mother mary herself was it was a total fox i mean i think many will agree and just really pumped through my veins on a daily basis and i wanted to encapsulate that uh, allegorically, as you said, you know, much like C.S. Lewis and his uh, his Chronicles of Narnia, right. th- I think the Nail Trim trilogy really uh, sits within that world, but in a modern and fresh sense. Right. Yeah, it doesn't feel as stayed. Props to C.S. Lewis for the work, but, you know, it's, it's a little old-fashioned at this point, and this feels extremely modern. Well, absolutely. I- I've done away with that shame business, which can sometimes be some of the central tenets uh, of Catholicism, and I've really re-envisaged it uh, because I thought, do you know what we're seeing a lot of changes within the vatican at the moment mm-hmm. and i feel that's really where we're heading we're rebranding we're getting cool we're going to be on tiktok soon so why not write a book to connect to the youth uh, really in the world that often you know game of thrones or, or, or lord of rings might have inhabited but again a lot of men talking about their men things and i just thought no bring in the women ding dong the witches are not dead no no way can i just ask a, a side question about that are you saying that the vatican is going to be on tiktok well yes i have heard tell that they're uh, they're getting ready i mean i don't know if you've seen but beamish uh, museum and the black country museum have got their own tiktoks they've got a little bit of beef so we were thinking perhaps maybe you know the catholic church of the vatican might start up their own and then you know a c of e uh, proponent i don't know maybe the uh, archbishop of canterbury if he wanted to start one uh-huh. off you yeah. know they could have little fun my denomination is is, is better than yours oh man yeah i mean because that pope francis guy he's lit 
Oh, he's, he is absolutely lit. He's been talking about birth control. Uh, he's been talking about uh, the love between uh, man and a man, woman and a woman. And I think he's probably touched upon non-binary and trans people and, and, and said that all are loved. I think, you know, he's really taken us to a place that we need to be, a place that Madonna was trying to push us into uh, with that beautiful uh, black Jesus. Uh, but now I think we're in a, a place where we can accept that, you know, all races, uh, religions and sexual orientations and gender presence are lovable and I think that my book really does some of that legwork yeah actually that's a really good point I had not made the connection to the early um, deeply religious works of Madonna who was bringing a lot of the, that similar mix of uh, sexuality and and religion together in a in a very affirming way? Did you feel that she was quite an inspiration? Really, she has been for me, like a very sanctified oral soup she created that I ate moorishly, sucked it up hungrily off of my fingers, licking it all of the taste off of each digit. For her, she was really a proponent back in the day of opening up our minds like a virgin. She was singing about again Mother Mary, touched for the very first time by the angel Gabriel uh, who got her pregnant on behalf of God which I think was very good of him uh, then you know holiday she's talking about Easter let's celebrate you know roll back that stone um, and then get into the groove get into the groove of faith get into the groove of faith I like it You've got a slogan right there. I mean, you should be pushing that out there. Get get the book sales going on. Get into the groove of faith. So catchy. I mean, I would really love to. And I have spoken to Madonna. She said that if I want to pop a ton of key rings, she's amenable. She's not certain about my T-shirt design yet. She wants to just check that my taste level on hers are, uh, you know, parallel. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. You know what that makes me? It makes me think about another part of the book that I wanted to ask about. And, you know, it's it may be a little touchy, but... Um, You seem open to, you know, probing questions. So I'm going to go for it. There was a lot of violent imagery, which is fine. That's that's part of uh, real life, especially in a sort of fantasy realm. And there was a lot of talk of of women bleeding. And I wondered if this was a way of kind of subverting religious texts. Was the bleeding a political statement like that? Or were you just into the idea of women bleeding? Well, I feel like it was a two-pronged effort, really, on my part. Uh, I feel like I was trying to normalise menstruation. Uh, You know, in some places, they make women sit under the house uh, when they're menstruating. Is Uh, that right? Yeah, absolutely, putting them in great danger and also pretty nippy down there. Uh Um, Or hot, if it's in summer. The other bit was to say, you know, women and children, often the first victims of war, um, and, and let's not forget that whilst we might not have been on the front line in some instances, obviously original warrior queens, queens sorry, we were, that we are often paying the vital price. And so it's a woman's world and we're ready to take over, so step aside. Uh-huh. Do you feel this is a, a bit of a call to action for women, call to arms of sorts? Well, absolutely. You know, if you want to let your leg hair grow out, you go for it, babes. Oh, yeah. If you want to let your arm hair grow out, you also go for it, babes. I mean, it's just about choice. And I hope people choose to buy my book. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to be pushing it. So I was wondering if we could actually jump into another section of the book. And it was, oh, it's giving me shivers. <laughs> and uh, and I now do this thing as part of the show where I like to hand over the reins to, to authors to breathe their own you know, albeit untrained voice, to the reading of their own text. So uh, I wondered if you could um, pick up on page 214, 
beginning with the uh, the passage that begins after the banquet. Oh, I absolutely love that. It's a smorgasbord of imagery. I hope you all enjoy it. And uh, I am somewhat on trend, but I have done some little idents oh. for local radio. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, so sorry. I didn't mean to. Uh, most of the authors I, I speak to can barely say hello to the postman, you know, oh. let alone get on here and express themselves like you have been. So please, yeah. please go ahead. Thank you very much. I also do a lot of voice notes uh, on WhatsApp. After the banquet, the court retired to the tapestry room. Mm. It had been a long campaign of busty border battle already, and if not for the finer things in life, what was it all for? Ariolana slumped onto a chaise long, which was upholstered in a hedonistic hue of flushed fuchsia, set centrally in the great hall. She began to drift off, full of food and wine, but before her eyes could fully close, she felt the familiar digits of an old friend. Aha, uh-huh. Virgine, I'd recognise those knuckles anywhere. Virgine laughed, her signature wry, flirty titter. You know I've always been handy, Ariolana. Ariolana's eyes spread open, and in front of her, she saw her old jousting rival and former lover looking as tantalising and as. Christ on her back, I do apologise here. Oh, that's alright, it's not like they're your own words or anything. No. I just feel taken over by the lust. I feel that my gaze, even in audio, is very piercing, so I apologize. I'll just close my eyes. I mean, please do, because okay. I can feel your beady little stalks on me now. I'll look away. Ariolana's eyes spread open, and in front of her she saw her old jousting rival and former lover, looking as tantalizing and as untamable as ever. Beside her were two androgynous wonders, whose hungry eyes devoured her as she lay. We were uh, wondering if you would like to join us in the start of December. There are a few uh, um, weapons and maneuvers we would like to show you, purred Virgine. We've heard that you wield a battling ram with such deft precision, said the first exquisite stranger, and that when no machinery is available, that you work wonders with your bare capable caressing hands, said the second of the enticing unknown humans. Eagerly, the quartet slunk off towards the big, thick, velveteen curtains that obscured the chamber's opening. Ugh. Okay, just right away, that bit, she began to drift off, full of food and wine. I saw the taking of body and blood of Christ and giving herself over to it. It's like a whole born-again Christian story. Absolutely. I think it's very relatable, Uh you know, just even on a human level. Often it'll be a Friday night and you've got a lot of beige food on your plate, on your yeah. rings, chicken poppers, potato wedges, smiley face. You know the oh, drill. Yeah. You can't yeah. be bothered to cook. You've had a long week at work. You've probably just come back from the rectory. And, and so you, you pile your plate up and then you have a good old vino. Maybe it's that two ninety nine cheap rosé, but you really down it and then you feel satiated. Uh-huh. And I feel very much that, that active faith is the satiation of the soul. Right. Uh, and not like a beige food, though. I feel like... Active faith is very much like the satiety that we get from from green leafy veg. Right. Like the Holy Spirit is kind of like chlorophyll, rich in iron like spinach provides you. Absolutely. Ah. I totally agree with you. I mean, but with the iron from spinach, it doesn't actually chillate properly. So you've got to put citrus on it to allow that to activate. And I feel a bit like you can have faith. That's all well and good. But unless you live by it, you're not going to chillate it. So you really need to like pour the lemon juice of practice into it you know your words and your actions have got to match up right otherwise it's empty words unless you've chillated oh man you even speak in metaphors it's incredible well 
it's just who I am, really. I, th- I thought maybe you were actually talking at one point in that last passage about maybe something like the Book of Revelations, because like, I'm, I'm not very religious, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it, and I haven't read the Book of Revelations, but I do know that there's a four horsemen of the apocalypse, and, and in that passage you had the four characters. Were they heading off to begin the end of the world? Is this text a warning against the hedonistic humanism and ultimate downfall of man or woman or what? Well, you're absolutely right. Is it in fact is a warning? But you are right of man. Yeah. Uh, you know, women, non-binary folk, trans folk, all good in the hood. Uh, but but men at the moment. I mean, what I have discerned from from religious texts. I can see that uh, the 12 tribes of woman uh, will be coming into effect unless the uh, the men choose not to take the mark of the devil. Oh, uh, and the mark of the devil, obviously, is a bad haircut and a pair of deck shoes. Is that right? Um, and, and, and hopefully people will see the error in their ways. Uh, but those four characters did represent that. Also, I don't know, uh, when I was younger, we had a Chris Dingle Festival. Uh, and, and those in the year three, the entrance year of the school, would receive a Chris Dingle. Uh, those in year six would make and, and give a Chris Dingle. Um, and, and in that would be the four sticks with little sweets on it, which were the four seasons and the food that God, our Father, and, and, and Jesus gives to us. So I think there was a lot of things in there. There's a lot of kind of God's quartets. Gosh, you have such a, a deep, rich connection and knowledge. It's just amazing how you combine them with this exciting text. I mean, it really brings it alive. Which brings me to my next question, actually, or actually my next request, because I wanted to explore one more passage from the book. And it's very near the end, uh, page 877 of your tome. Now, with each episode, I've been trying to explore how we can elevate the text between us. I mean, I use my vocal lip and tongue-based skills on texts all the time, but with these podcasts, it's a collab. And I wondered, you know, what if we do the last passage as a song together? I mean, that sounds absolutely beautiful. And, and as you know, the church is famous for, for popular hymns such as Lord of the Dance, Oil in My Lamp, oh, man. If I Was a Shepherd. Oil in My Lamp, honestly. I mean, when you said that, you gave me shivers because it's one of my faves. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just think it is again a very relatable hymn because we've all thought oh no I've not got enough money on the electric key I have not got oil on my lamp you know modern day equivalent uh-huh. but sometimes you do think oh really God and or Jesus and or Holy Spirit and or any of the crew from heaven if you could just ping me a fiver for my key that would be really useful but obviously in that you mean religious and spiritual sucker but also you know maybe some money for some sovereign fact right you know some hard cash is just as fulfilling sometimes as the spiritual chelation as you were talking about 120 Right. I wasn't sure how we would do this. It was just a crazy idea I was having. So I didn't know if we wanted to um, kind of free jazz vibe it together or Mm. we could do it one sentence at a time. You know, first person sort of sets the melody and then the other person picks it up. I think the uh, the latter's a good option, to be honest, because I do feel as if uh, religious faith is a call and response situation. You call with your prayer. And then the response is the signs. Oh, amazing. Um, like this novel, as you so beautifully picked up, there are not and will not be three parts. But I do feel as if I have crammed three massive novels into one beautiful oh, hardback. You have crammed in a way that, you know, it was respectful of the limitations of where it was going, mm. but also kept going until things gave a little bit and allowed all three to enter inside like my heart and to really get inside me. Well, thank you so much. I just feel that sometimes you can really effectively lubricate a reader and really just allow their capacity to grow. They think, no, I cannot take any more. I'm too full. But then you just pop a few more in there, a few more sentences, paragraphs, you know, you just cram it right in and they're like, 
thank you. They didn't know they wanted it, but that feeling of submission mm. just brings about a euphoria. And I felt like the text went back and forth between a sort of, like, as you say, a lubing way of, you know, allowing easy entry into me. But when there was resistance, then you would put a passage in that would say, hey, just relax mm. and, and breathe. And then it would it would just come into me a bit more. Absolutely. And just give of its juice, you know, just give of its yeah. nectar. Yeah, I could not believe how good it felt inside me. It was, mm, you know, felt it down in my guts. I mean, that really means the world to me that you've allowed me to penetrate you so fully on so many levels. I mean, I'm just so glad you've connected to the work. It really means the world. So I guess I'll begin. And I, I had this sort of medieval balladeer lute in my head. So I'm going to start with that. Lovely. And, and we'll see where it goes. As Ariolana fought side by side with the great Empress Seductra, for whom she had been a loyal and faithful warrior too, since she was old enough to wield a weighty weapon, the Empress's ferocity and assuredness overwhelmed the humble henchwoman. As a break in battle appeared, she gently clasped the nape of the Empress's new bow neck, which made both their nipples harden in the crisp, callous This display of sexual freedom caught the incel infantry off guard causing the ensuing hordes of keyboard warrior basement dwelling loot soldiers, foot soldiers, to stop in their tracks. Unsure whether their members were set to engorge or entropy, they stood mouths agape. The two women began to kiss passionately in a way that the embittered evil envoys had never, never. witnessed. It seemed so consensual. As the two went to town on each other, the surrounding warriors from Volviat crowd all of the agog card-carrying alphas by fitting them with enchanted ball gags harnessing them and riding them to therapy camps where they would be nursed back to humane health humane health humane health even though it was more than they lyrical it really flows oh that oh oh sorry i'm just oh just really really oh something's come over me honestly that's how it was in my head when i was reading it oh thank you i mean not many people can hear the song of my prose and you know some people say is it poetry is it prose i say it's it's in between it's neither it's neither it's all of the above uh -huh. Oh, God, it just washes over you like a gushing of, of, of something messily on your face and like mm. dripping down and just oh, there's so much. So was there anything else that you wanted to share about your, your book before we sign off? I just wanted to say that it is for everybody, mm -hmm. uh, but I want to dedicate this to someone really special. Okay. 
and I haven't written it in the book because I just wasn't quite ready to say those things. Oh, yeah. I want to say, Teresa, uh, if you're listening, this book's for you, my love. You were the first smelly, delicious onion that I unpeeled layer by layer and ate readily, even though you stung my lips. And you really allowed me to be the person that was able to write this book for Jesus and for the lesbians. Naughty and delicious, Teresa, this is for you. Well, thanks, Dorothea, and thanks to everyone for joining us for another episode of Dwayne Ditterman Reads. This has been the Nail Trim Trilogy by author Dorothea Safin. You know, you guys may just throw out your Bibles after reading this. So, everyone, keep reading with your ears. If you were to read with your ears, it would go very well. The words would get right into your brain, your feelings, they would swell. You'd learn and feel the two best things to do.